Hello Internet, I'm Jonathan Cook. And I'm Matt Noble. And today we have a special guest with us, Matt. No, very exciting because we are here to talk about Harry Potter. We've just seen the final movie. Yeah. Um, it's the first exposure you've ever had to Harry Potter, Jonathan. I've not read any of the books, not seen any of the films. Yeah. And we went and saw the final one together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but we, to help us out, since we might not be the most knowledgeable people about the world of Harry Potter, we have a special guest, um, Jess Jones, who works in a library, and apparently the books came out before the movies, so that's going to be particularly, uh, she can have to show some light on this. How are you going, Jess? I'm good, thanks. And you are a big Harry Potter fan, correct? Fairly massive, yes. Yep, you went to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter in Florida last year? I did. Yep, what's the best thing to do at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter? (laughs) Uh, The Butterbeer is pretty awesome, yes. I don't know. Okay, so Butterbeer, that's a drink from Harry Potter. Yes, it is. Now, Jolyn, you have not had any exposure to Harry Potter before. No. You might have a few questions about the world of Harry Potter. Yeah, there were some things I wanted to... Establish. Okay. So... Let's get this out of the way now. Are we... Is Harry Potter on Earth? Like, what planet are we on? Are we on Earth? Yes. I believe so. It is Earth. And, like, everyone's... Everyone has an English accent. Are we in England? Scotland? Yeah. Yeah, it takes place in England. UK. UK. There's a disproportionate amount of people with red hair. (laughs) Yes. in, In Harry Potter. So... Weird. Scotland, maybe? They maybe. drifted down? Could be. It's never addressed. It's a bit of a mix of uh, UK people, I think, from all over the UK. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, there's magic in the movies. Where Does the magic come from people? Are people magical? Is it, like, the wand? Because I saw people doing magic with the wand and without the wand. Like, what is the source of magic? Jess? Jess. <laughs> Uh, I believe it's in the people themselves. So when you're born, you show magical tendencies from a very early age, I believe. You don't have to have two wizard parents to inherit this magic. No, you don't, which is a source of much controversy in the books. Yes. Name-calling and such. Yes, there's a bit of uh, stigma surrounding people who are not don't have two wizarding parents. They are called... Mudbloods. Mudbloods. That's like very rude. It'd be like the N-word. Is that like mulatto, sort of? Yes. All right, so I've heard some things about Harry Potter, Dan Radcliffe, but sometimes I'm not able to distinguish between the characters. Yeah. Like, between, like, which is which. So, like, one of them went to, like, Hogwarts. Is that, like, that's Harry Potter, not Dan Radcliffe? That is Harry Potter. All right. And uh, one of them gets like naked with a horse at some point. Is that is that in one of the films or is that <laughs> that was in the director's cut? No, no uh, that was Equus. Yes, Equus. Yeah, no, that Dan- that was Daniel Radcliffe. Radcliffe. Although there are times in Harry Potter when he's in the woods with unicorns. He does get naked in one of the films. Whoa, with Hermione. Whoa! But you haven't seen it. So what film? That's what you've missed out on the whole time. <laughs> Which film is that? <laughs> what film is that, Jess? Go back and watch them. Which all. one? The other one. The two pre- film, No, lo- the previous film to this, the part one of this, which you have I saw decided th- not to no, see. No, I saw part one of this. He does, yeah. Well, when, is, when did they get the clothes <laughs> off? In the forest. Uh... <laughs> 
probably just getting changed. Not, yeah, not no, the not no, the full on horse naked, nudity. That... There's naked kissing. Whoa! <laughs> I've got to see this movie again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my! Right. Key plot point. But moving on. And so I know what I'm doing after <laughs> after this podcast. <laughs> just Google searching Emma Watson, Daniel Radcliffe nude, and just see whatever comes up. And so one of them, like, doesn't have parents and that causes trouble for them. Is that Dan or Harry? That'd be uh, Harry. Harry definitely doesn't have parents alive on the thing. Um, I'm not sure what Daniel Radcliffe's parental situation is. Right. Obviously parents that are very lax with being naked around <laughs> horses. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. And uh, I've also heard him talk about troubles with alcohol. Is that Harry or Dan? That would be Dan. Is that butter beer got alcohol in it? Well, I don't know about the recipe they filmed with, but yeah, the... but but the in the in the books in the books. <laughs> Are you saying did he pick it up from filming the? I, I oh, was saying books, it, it yes. could Harry maybe have I a strong because well, they the... do love that butter beer stuff <laughs> in the books. Uh, well, one of the elves is an alcoholic who drinks all the butter beer, so it must have alcohol in it, which is interesting because they're all underage. At what book? Do they start drinking butterbeer? Because it's not in the first one or two. Uh, I think it's three. I could be wrong. Three or okay. So three. three. When they start visiting the uh, Hogsmeade, and that's their third year of high school. Yes. So that would be like a year nine student. Well, not. I think Harry's eleven when he starts Hogwarts, so he'd only be like. 12. 13. 13. 13, 14, I think. And they're drinking out. So both have had struggles with alcohol. And in numerous books, the teachers, I think, have given them butterbeer. Well, Lupin gives them butterbeer. Okay. Very interesting. Interesting. Very yes. interesting. Which just probably brings us into a good topic. Whether Hogwarts is a good school to send your kids to. Now, we know the teachers uh, give students alcohol um, at Hogwarts <laughs> from a young age. Um, what, would, Jess, you really love the series. Would you send your kids to Hogwarts? Yes, I definitely would. Okay, quick poll. Jonathan, would you send your kids to Hogwarts? I think I'd be a little reluctant to because a lot of them seem to die. Yes. There are a fair amount of people that, yeah. It didn't seem to bother Harry and co when they're sending their children to Hogwarts at the end of the film, but uh, perhaps I have would have a little bit more of regard for my children's lives than, than the characters. Yes, and it, and it does seem like every single book, something happens in Hogwarts. Like, it's not like this was an isolated incident of people dying in Hogwarts. Uh, Jess, you're going to need to walk us through this. Uh, the first book, there's that whole Philosopher's Stone drama. Yeah. Does... Uh, d- the school doesn't really find out about that, does it? That's sort of kept very under... Uh, Dumbledore, I think, keeps that yeah, pretty okay. under wraps. Uh, yeah. Okay. Second book, students die. Yeah. With the uh, Chamber of Secrets. Mm, Is that the secret actually... that children die? <laughs> no. No one actually dies. They get petrified. Oh, petrified. That's not dying. Which is all good. Yeah. It, well, but it's a big drama. Like, obviously, yes, evil a, stuff's gotten yeah, in the school. There's a psycho yeah. snake. It's not good for the kids to be petrified. And that's something that they can't really keep under their hats. No. 
Book three, I remember a lot of bad stuff goes down. I can't really remember anything about book three. Book three is Death Eaters get into the school. Yes, but okay. Voldemort's not actually in book two. Okay. Uh, yes, there's hmm. Death Eaters. Are we allowed to mention around. his name in the podcast? Because they, they're uh, reluctant to say it in the film. I'm not sure why. Yeah. Will that be trouble? Will we offend like Harry Potter fans or something by saying his name? How does that work? Well, Dumbledore tells you that you're actually, like, you shouldn't... It's kind of that whole fear of fear itself, so it's actually better to say his name. So hardcore fans will say it, so it's all good, I think. Okay. All right. So if you can't stomach Voldemort being said, turn off Shut this up. podcast now. It's yeah, a bit stop late. listening. You probably have turned off. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so... So, fourth book, a kid dies. The main... One of the most popular kids in the school dies... Um, not a Revenge of the Nerds type situation. Doesn't die at Hogwarts, but... but it was through stuff he was doing for Hogwarts. He's representing the school when he died, so... Like on camp or something? It was a sort of wizard tournament, uh, which, which seems like a very dangerous tournament to be sending kids into, that whole Triwizard yes. tournament. But anyway... Like, it's lucky that someone didn't die earlier in that... <laughs> but yeah, then the, then the fifth book... Like, the school gets taken over by an evil headmistress and, like, things really, you know, get bad there. Things start getting yeah. pretty dark. Yeah, and then by six book, like, the headmaster's dying and, like, yeah. this is a school where there's a lot of danger. It is. So, I'm sure if I would say Mike is there. Why would you send your kids to Hogwarts, Jess? Uh, I think it could be good for them. I think they could uh, mature a bit faster and I also... <laughs> Harry often, even though he's had all this bad stuff, says that it's the most, like, home he's ever felt and actually really loves Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. I think those are just the circumstances of a evil wizard running around, but he's gone at the end of the series. Spoiler alert. Okay, yep. So, mm. yeah, I don't think it's all bad. Yeah. But he didn't have a home, did he? Not Like, really. without parents and Not stuff. Not a good home. That's no. True. Yeah. Yeah, it's easy to call it a home if you don't have a home. Yeah. To, to, yeah, <laughs> like I live, I live in St Ives, but I prefer Hogwarts to St Ives. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think Hogwarts is yeah a, a dangerous school. Who wouldn't want to go learn magic and be like living with your friends all the time and like I don't know, cool forest playing and now. Hogwarts. Oh, I can say one thing I don't like about Hogwarts. Yeah, throw it in there. And even Dumbledore says that at the end that he doesn't like that they sort them so early. They sort them into houses by, like, sorting out, which is kind of a bit divisive. Yeah, it's very segregated, yes. Hogwarts. They're very, they've got them in four houses, and they don't... They do everything in their house groups. There's, like, never anything where they mingle at all, and it's... Uh, there are yeah. a few, but yeah, not, not a very good culture. Why couldn't Dumbledore change this culture? It's uh, a good question. I don't know. He does say he, there's a flashback in the books, so if you haven't read the books, yeah, but uh, where he actually tells Snape that he thinks they should stop sorting so early because Snape was someone who was probably quite good, but because of, I guess, what he felt to be destiny or whatever, he ended up in Slytherin. Yeah. Maybe he could have chosen a different path. I had a question about this. Yes. It seems like all the bad kids are in Slytherin yes. or something, but like a quarter of the there's four houses, right? Yes. A quarter of the school is Slytherin. Like 
are just a quarter of people bad people. Yes. What happens if you yeah. don't want to be in Slytherin? You get put in Slytherin. Well, actually, Harry was originally <gasps> put in Slytherin yes. in the first book. The hat said, you're in Slytherin, Harry. And Harry said, no, I don't want to be in Slytherin. All my friends are in Gryffindor. And the hat's like, okay. But, it seemed quite easy to get around. Yeah, well, that's why Harry told his kid at the yeah. end. And Dumbledore says to it. Harry, it is our choices, Harry, who make us who we truly are. It's a lot of profound yeah. statements. I think it's Harry a Potter. yeah. I think it's a very bad idea to yes. like they've made one house the evil house. They're putting a quarter <laughs> of the kids in this house. They're giving them more evil. Like they, their mascot is like the mascot of the, devil. the the dark lord evil guy. Like they're really that's really a big um, mistake of Dumbledore's to keep this Slytherin house going. Like, or at least maybe he could have given them, like, changed their colour scheme and their mascot to something that is a bit more, uh, less sinisterly evil. Well, <clears throat> but it's based off Salazar Slytherin, who could talk to snakes, so mm. you'd have to change the entire house, basically. Yeah, I, I feel like that... There were probably plenty of nice people called Adolf before Hitler came along, right? But once Hitler came along, he sort of ruined that. And I feel like when Voldemort came along with the whole snake thing, that sort of ruined the snakes as being able to be used as a mascot. For I think creating less evil wizards should take precedent over tradition. Yes. This doesn't seem beneficial to yeah. Hogwarts to have this Slytherin. Yeah, exactly. But Snape was Slytherin, and look how he turned out. He turned out to be like the bravest character of them all. Yeah, but it's almost <laughs> like he used that evilness of Slytherin to stay hidden. Now, there's something else we want to talk about today uh, with Harry Potter. Yeah. Uh, and especially with this last movie because they tie up a lot of the relationships. There's a lot of relationships going on in this school. Uh, Jonathan, uh, someone uh, very new to the series, what relationships stuck out in your mind from that final movie? Well, there was Ron and Hermione, obviously. Yeah. I get the feeling that the series had been building up to them getting together for quite a long time. Yeah. Is that the case? Yes. They were always sort of arguing in the first book and, you know. It seemed to me I might be a little let down by how that came about. There wasn't any dramatic show of anything for the other. It was just, oh, something dramatic happened, let's turn and kiss. Like, it seemed, you know... uh, it's the end of the world, grab the nearest person, pull them into a closet. It didn't seem that romantic to me. I'd feel let down if I was a fan. That final episode uh, movie did really seem end of the world scenario. Oh man, the world's ending, we're all going to die tonight. Quick, I've got to make out with Hermione. Neville's like, quick, I've got to tell that Luna girl that I love her. Harry making out with uh, Ron's sister. Like It did seem just like everyone went, man, I've got to like have someone to kiss now. That's not really that romantic, though. Because if, if it was the end of the world, I'd probably grab you if you were the only person <laughs> in the room. Me? Yeah. Do you want me to leave, guys? Wow. Things being revealed. Is, is it dealt with better in the books, Jess? In some ways, I think it was pretty true to the books, except Harry was there when uh, Ron and, um, and Hermione started pashing, and it was a bit awkward. How did he but, process that? Uh, he kind of let them go, and then I can't remember, he says, like, okay, guys, let's, I don't know. Let's break it up. Yeah, yeah. We've got an evil wizard to defeat. Yeah, we're in a war. Well, I think the the thing that 
you miss though is that it, uh, like you said it has built over the last like seven years so it's not the most romantic setting but I think it's kind of like seize the opportunity you may not have it again and it wasn't like just out of the blue like perhaps you kissing Matt <laughs> I think so people wanted to see this because Ron he's a little bit nerdy I guess and uh, Hermione played by Emma Watson she's kind of cute people wanted to see that kind of happen yeah Around sort of what book of like people, a film of people wanted to see that from? At what point is it okay that you you wanted to sort of see Emma Watson get it on? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, I, I we had telegraphed uh, that we were going to be talking about this earlier in the week, so I've done a bit of research um, yeah. into this question. <laughs> um, I've just got a little graph here. Uh, charting Emma Watson's age oh, uh, throughout the series. It is interesting that you think that Hermione is the cute one and Ron is the nerd one, because that's kind of the opposite in the books. Yeah, she's definitely a nerd uh, in the books as far as intelligence goes, but she definitely doesn't look like a nerd. In the movies, yeah. she does yeah. not so look like it, yeah. yeah, so this is more of a book mm. discussion, a movie, movie discussion, discussion than a book discussion. Okay. So, uh, I've got this here, charting her age... And I've marked when each of the films were released, but the year beforehand, because they probably shot the film the year before they were done. Yeah. Right? Um, and alongside that, I have my <laughs> age. And then we have uh, the, the, the other line is the um, half your age plus seven rule <laughs> uh, that we know uh, uh, is uh, you, you can't really go out with someone that is, that's younger than half your age plus seven. Uh, it's a pretty foolproof rule, yeah. isn't it, Jonathan? Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's see the numbers. Yeah. Now, I think before we talk about all that, worth considering that in Australia, um, in the UK, and in most, a lot of states in the US, the age of consent is 16, right? Yeah, sounds good to me. Yeah. And so if she's below 16 for any adults, it's probably inappropriate. No go. Yeah. Um, the point at which Emma Watson turned 16 was in 2006. Around what book or film would, film would that be? That was one, two, the fifth film. So you had to wait a while. Yeah. And if you're in America, you're, you're, waiting, you're waiting some more still. In some states, it's 18, the age of consent. Yeah. So some people would have been very happy for the seventh film. And then the, uh, it was about the year before. Uh, no, it's, it's about the year after that that uh, my half your age plus seven line meets her age. So which film? Which film number is that? That's in between the fifth and the sixth. So if I were to go back and watch the previous Harry Potter films, I should probably just start at the sixth. I can really just sort of watch like the last three films. Yeah. I, if that's if that's what you're going to watch, if that's them for, why you watch. Uh, there are probably other reasons to watch the Harry Potter films, like the captivating stories, <laughs> other relationships. What what about uh, Neville Longbottom? I thought this was very interesting. I, I hadn't heard anything about this. He liked uh, the Crazy Girl, um, and yeah, they sort of I guess ended happily Not in the books. Well, he doesn't, um, in the epilogue, he's like a professor, and I think he's married, but it's not actually in the books at all, I don't, I think she came out and said in one of these interviews, um, and I'm pretty sure that they were not together. 
I Ooh. will double check that. Well, fact, it only implied so. it in the film. They yes. didn't. They didn't hook up. They just kind of sat next to each other, and you're like, oh, she might have been impressed with his. And he said he wanted screen. to. He said he wanted to run up and tell her that he loved but he never, her. We didn't see that. Everyone no. did think that would happen from the books, but I'm pretty sure she came out and said that was not. We've obviously got the Harry relationship to um, him uh, and Ron's younger sister. Yeah, to me, I didn't know the backstory to this, Yeah, but it seemed if I was going for someone, it would probably be Hermione, but maybe that didn't work out too well for Harry because Ron was kind of getting in there. And so in order to spite Ron, he decides to go after her sister. Okay. Seemed yeah. a little cynical on the part of Harry. <laughs> yeah. Um, How did that play out? I don't know. I, I feel like I agree with you that Hermione is probably the better partner. He, no. She's probably the person no. you want to be going for. How? Why? She's smart. She can do a lot of uh, good spells. She's, she's over 16. She's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is Ron's younger sister. Yeah. It's his best friend's younger sister. Like, I, I think there's... Um, but but yeah. Ginny's like what Harry needs. She's fiery and independent, likes Quidditch... Gets him in, he's already practically part of the Weasley family, so like yeah. actually ties him in there by marriage. Bit creepy. Yeah. Okay, that might be a bit creepy, but I, still. But yeah. But I don't know if you've got Harry's MO down, Jonathan. Because one might question that. Be, because I think Harry could have made a move for Hermione in the first half of the last movie. The one that you didn't see. I think part one of the definitely Apparently they got naked or something. You just yeah, don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was, was a time Ron's when Ron fear. got upset and uh, he stormed off and left those two alone in the woods for months. Uh, <laughs> and they were sharing a tent <laughs> and everything. That would have been Harry's perfect moment to make a move on Hermione. And... Them getting naked wasn't him making a move, was it? No, that was no, Ron's, that... so, um, like, Voldemort's Horcrux messing with Ron. Yeah. Because that's, like, Ron's yeah. biggest thing is that he feels small compared to yeah. Harry and his brothers and all that. So that was a fantasy sequence. <coughs> but... We could have just gone to Equus and watched that to see yeah. if he was small compared to... <laughs> 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 yes. But, uh, yeah, so we with Harry... Yeah, I think that he could have made a move on Hermione there if he wanted to. But he he didn't really. It wouldn't have made any sense in the context of all seven books slash films if he'd made a move. Wouldn't have Why wouldn't that made any sense? Because there's just, he's like, she's like his sister. There's like no build up. Okay, like, oh, okay. It would be like Jono kissing you again. Like it just... No, no. I, right, okay. Let's <laughs> backpedal there. It's like his sister. What makes his relationship with Hermione a sister-like relationship? Just like she's his best friend who he just, he just doesn't see her that way. I know that's a terrible way of putting it. Yeah, because I, I don't see the Harry-Hermione relationship that different from the Ron-Hermione relationship. Uh, they've got this whole kind of like, you know, arguing, disagreeing kind of passion to their relationship, which yeah. just isn't there with Harry which, and Hermione. one could argue is still brother, brotherly, sisterly. You could. But he gets really jealous when she dates someone else. Mm. Yeah. Well, yes. There, there's two out of three of us think that Harry made the wrong move. Yeah. Uh, Harry made a bad decision. New question. Did Hermione make the right decision? Probably not. She, 
Probably not. So you reckon it would have been better from her perspective to go out with Harry? Yeah, well... Yeah. Or to marry Harry. I love yeah. Ron Dealey, but he's he's not... In he's, Harry, yeah. Yeah, compared to Harry. I would agree. <laughs> what do you think, Jonathan? Ron's just kind of there for comedic relief. Yes. As far as I could tell. Yeah. She could have married the leading man, but she married the comic relief. Yeah, it's either yeah. the guy that defeats Voldemort... Or the guy who, you know, runs charging at these guys and then runs back screaming when the fire chases him. Yeah. And it's not even intended comic relief. Like, (laughs) uh, I'm not saying, not from the film writer's perspective, but from Ron's perspective. It's like he's a funny guy. It's that funny stuff happens to him. Yeah. 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 I I really think those couple of months that Ron, uh, no, that Harry and Hermione were, were sharing the tent... Both of them really missed an opportunity there. Um, not, not just to just to go like to kiss. Like I'm not, you know, just I'm to not, try it out. Yeah, just to just to just to uh, yeah. Moving on. Um, are there any other relationships in the? What? Okay, here's here's an interesting one. Snape had the hots for Harry's mum. I thought that that was shocking for me watching the movie. Less shocking for you. <laughs> Well, I didn't have any expectations as to their relationship. <laughs> I, I enjoyed seeing that on film. That was good. Quite tragic. Very interesting. Did Harry's mum make the right decision? Should she have come with Snape? Well, I mean, she wouldn't be Harry's mum if she'd made a different decision. Yeah, there would be no Harry Potter if she had made the other decision. I think things could have worked out, but if you, again, without, like, in the books, it's like they're slightly more fleshing out to their story. And so they were best friends, but um, Snape at one point, I think, says the word mudblood, and which Lily, essentially, by their definition, is. Uh, okay. And I think that puts a spanner in the works. And then James comes along and is, you know, ruffles his hair, and she falls head over heels for him, obviously. Okay, so it's a bit more of a backstory, because it's yes. seen in the movie that is really, like, if you were put in Slytherin, everyone in any other house was off limits. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you're in Slytherin, you're the evil house, you can't go out with anyone in any of the other houses. Which is why his story is tragic, yep. because he was actually had these good things about him, but I think that kind of tipped him over the edge, and he embraced his dark side. Yeah, this house was toxic. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, um, moving on from relationships, I think we've talked about that a lot. Oh, we edited. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we've got the, uh, the the big battle scene at the end. Obviously, all of these types of movies, Lord of the Rings, um, uh, Chronicles of Narnia, there needs to be a big battle scene at the end. This was seven movie, eight movies coming. Jonathan, how do you compare it to some of the other great battle scenes? I heard from Triple J's movie guy that this film was essentially one big battle. So I was expecting a large battle, something on the scale of, you know, Return of the King. Yeah. Uh, Perhaps he meant metaphorical battle that kind of was underlying the film because the film went for, the battle went for five, ten minutes. I was incredibly underwhelmed with the battle. Yeah. It seemed, and there were just, there were many plot holes in the battle. Like, like you have Voldemort has got these kind of rope-looking things that have like tied Harry up, and one of them is strangling him. That looked ridiculous. And you, you think there's no way Harry can sort of get out of this? It seems like one of those 
moments where the villain has the the good guy just where he wants to and should just kill him right away and yet in leaves him some sort of MacGyver ridiculous fashion way to get out of it. Yeah. But he didn't even do that. They just cut from that to something else and when they're back, Harry's out of it and they're fist fighting. Yeah. And why are they fist fighting? They have magic. Yeah. They why not just blow the other one up with the one I didn't understand like the ones, right? Half the time they they're getting in battles and they're they're shooting at each other. And they just seem to be like these little wussy, you know, green things, which they can't hit anything with from just five meters yeah. away. Choo, 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 choo. Yeah, yeah. And then in other times, there'll just be twenty of those swarms of flying black skeleton things, and in just like a second, like Harry just goes ba 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 ba, and they all die like in one shot. Hmm. Like if you have good spells that can are like more powerful, why not use those spells all the time rather than just using little ditty spells? The other half. Is there an answer to this in the books, Jess? There is. When you say little ditties, are you talking about between Harry and Voldemort? Or just overall? Just overall. Well, uh, uh, the thing about the battle is a lot of them are kids who don't have magical knowledge to the level of, say, Dumbledore. But the problem with Harry and Voldemort's battle is also that they have, like, this weird thing going on between their wands. I could go on for a while about that, but yeah. I won't. Uh, and with the, the, the skeleton things, the reason they're all gone at once is because there's one spell. So he does know this one really good spell, but the in-joke of the books is that the only thing Harry knows how to do is disarm people, essentially. Um, but I don't think they bring that up in the movies. I don't know if that answers uh, any uh, of your questions at all. Speaking of the... Uh, well, yeah, how do you feel about that, Jonathan? Yeah, I can see how... Um, you don't want to have just the same spell being used over and over again. Like, even I got tired of hearing Reducto. Is that it? I know they said <laughs> guess, that a few times. Yeah, yeah. But still, if you've got a good spell, I'd use it. Mm. That would just be the one I'd use, because you'd win. Yeah. I wouldn't use my Diddy spells. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't think that, 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 that's uh, probably, especially in the movie context, a very fair criticism. So how did you feel about the battle, Matt? Seven, eight films have led up to this. Was it as exciting uh, as you'd hoped? Look, in some ways I was glad it wasn't another Lord of the Rings-like battle because they definitely wouldn't have done it as well as Lord of the Rings, so it just being like Lord of the Rings light. So I'm glad it was something different that they uh, brought to the table here. Look, that, that's scene where he's As tight. opposed to the rest of the series, which is Lord of the Rings light. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no comment. Um, and the... The, uh, the obviously the scene where uh, Voldemort has him tied up in a cloak, like is ridiculous. Um, he looks like some sort of like octopus or something. Um, but yeah, look, there were some things in that battle that were, there's some things in that battle that didn't. Um, obviously, the wands were very key. The whole twist about the wand working—it wasn't when you. It seemed a bit weak that when you. You killing the wizard isn't what gave you property of the wand. It was just disarming them. Hermione could have just gone to Harry, disarm, and like he was launched. Ah, now I now I've got the power of that wand. It's kind of like tag you're in. Yeah, it's like yeah. passing the wands around the it's playground it, at recess. Yeah, it seems like that was a like they thought it was something really epic, and then the twist was that it actually wasn't epic at all. Voldemort was a bit dumb. Voldemort was really he dumb. Makes a, lot, a bit stupid. Makes a lot of mistakes. Yeah, I really felt coming out of that movie that Voldemort wasn't that bad a villain. Like, sort of, we've had, you know, seven books, eight eight movies of people not even wanting to say his name, he's so terrible. And he's a bit of, like, a bumbling sort of, uh, 
bumbling sort of guy in the movie. He was really... Yeah, he didn't really ever have many good ideas. He was never that crafty. Where did he get his powers from? How is he so powerful to begin with? Uh, Just, I can't remember. Uh, Well, he was always pretty evil as a kid, and then after school he kind of disappears into the forest of Albania and no one really knows what happens to him. But then essentially what ends up making him kind of invincible is that he kills people which splits your souls and he puts them into the Horcruxes, which is what they were searching for and trying to destroy. So part of his soul, he separated his own soul. Did he do this on purpose? Yes. So in uh, one of the previous movies, it's explained, but basically Hmm. he, um, it was always a concept that you could murder someone and split your soul, but he's like, I'm going to be uber powerful and split it seven times. So I'm like invincible. And when people destroy these Horcruxes, that's like, you know, on the, on the way to killing him, did he know what he was putting them into and where he was... Like, why didn't he hide these things? Like, people just kept on finding them and destroying them. Like, I wouldn't leave part of my soul at Hogwarts. I'd hide it in Albania. Yeah. Well, yes. So they... I think at some point in the books they go to Albania to look. Uh, he... <laughs> he, uh, I think he chooses, he chooses meaningful, like, objects, and he puts them in... So he puts, like, one in this cave. He was he puts them into meaningful places. So he didn't really... He thought no one knew him like he knew himself, but Dumbledore managed to figure a lot of it out. Uh, he knew where all of them but one are, which will lead into the next question, so I won't go there yet. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I think... He was very purposeful in what he chose and where he chose to He enjoyed the symbolism more than practicality. Well, he just, he was a bit arrogant and didn't think that anyone would figure it out when they do. Yeah, like this movie has definitely made me feel like Voldemort is not one of the greatest villains of all time. I think he, he does a lot of very evil things, but he's certainly not the cleverest of villains. Yeah, he's, he's not arrogant. He's not clever and he's not that successful. He's only I think he was more successful the first time round and the second time round he doesn't get very far. Yeah, it's almost like we would like this it would be more interesting if the books were on the first time Voldemort took over. It seems like the second time he really doesn't have many ideas left of what to do. Um it's a real shock he's able to get this many followers um in the second go around. He's already lost once. And, like, he really, I don't think, has much charisma or anything. It's really... I think the young Tom Riddle had a bit more charisma, which is mm-hmm. how he got some of the stuff for his Horcruxes. I think, like, he does do some pretty dark things, like the Ministry of Magic turns into this kind of, like, um, you know, they're hauling in people who are mudbloods and, like... Mm. You know, there's a lot of dark things which I think kind of parallel stuff that's actually happened, mm. which is, I think, what she was trying to do in the books, certainly, but I think you miss out a lot of that in the in the films. I think the films, like, especially, this, I think the film beforehand, there's a bit more of that sort of him politically taking over, which was sort of dark, but we don't even see how that sort of happens, it sort of just happens. Um, and then the stuff we do see of him is him just, like, running... You know, like, especially the beginning of that last movie, he's sort of, like, running a board meeting with all the villains from previous Harry Potter movies, and they're all (laughs) sitting around, and he's going, "Okay, guys, we now have the plan to take over Hogwarts. It's in play. Wink, wink at, like, Snape, and Snape's like, yeah, we got him. And, like, it just seemed... It seemed like a... 
and I know it's a kids movie, but it just seemed very kids movie and not like, oh man, this is that guy that no one's been able to say the name of for ten years. Yeah. Yeah. So around halfway through the film, I was kind of enjoying it. I was kind yeah. of I was getting into mm-hmm. it, sort of there were some places the relationships were gonna go. There was obviously gonna be this this battle figuring out how they're gonna defeat Voldemort with the Horcruxes. Yeah. It started to lose its way a little bit. I think I didn't understand the bit with Harry needing to die. This was this was a huge part of the film, a big mm-hmm. sort of twist. He's the last Horcrux or there's part of Voldemort in him. So he gets killed by Voldemort. Yes. And then he has this weird scene where he's in like the like King's Cross Station Heaven slash Heaven, yeah. And like Dumbledore is just being unnecessarily cryptic. It seems like that was, it was like more... a little Voldemort under the table. Yeah, like a it was like a it was like a, a bloody baby, but with like a big head and big hands and feet, mm. and the face was like Voldemort's face. Yeah, and Dumbledore is just being cryptic in order to like what would seem to be throw off the audience more than it would help Harry. Yeah. It would just, it would just seem to annoy Harry. Mm. And so he's then not dead. He comes back. Uh, Nothing brings him back. Like everyone just says he's dead. And um, Cracker is carrying, is carrying Harry Potter. And then he just comes back for like no reason. And then, so you go, okay, we can come back. I'll buy that. Yep. And then he has his the battle. return of Jafar. <laughs> <laughs> so he comes back, and then he has his battle with Voldemort. Yeah, and he uh, he doesn't even really do anything to defeat Voldemort. It's it's Neville uh, yeah. killing the snake, which is mm. the other bit of the the yes the, other, the second last Horcrux. Yeah. Then Harry doesn't die. Like a part of Voldemort still lives, and everything just goes on. As, like, they bring up this whole like. Okay, Harry I, needs to die, yeah, but Harry okay, doesn't die. Okay, okay. What happens to the last okay. bit of Voldemort? I, Why does they say he needed to die if he didn't need to die? Yeah, I was a little bit confused too, but I think I figured it out by the end of the movie, okay? And then I will say what I think, and then just <laughs> you you correct me where I'm wrong. Okay, so... Um, I think... So the idea is Harry needed to die to, yeah. to defeat one of his Horcruxes, yeah. right? Um, and I think that Harry... Uh, but then he got the resurrection stone, and he held that for a minute, which means he's got the power of resurrection, perhaps. And then he dropped that stone in the hay, so no one else could find it. I don't know. Then Voldemort killed him. Harry went to sort of the white-painted King's Cross station, where Dumbledore said, oh, yeah, you know, you've killed the Horcrux in you, but you can choose to be alive again. Uh, I think probably because he touched that resurrection stone. So he'd gotten rid... The Horcrux had died with Harry, but because Harry had touched the resurrection stone, Harry got to come back to life. I think fans of Harry Potter lore and fans of logic are screaming at the <laughs> podcast right now. <laughs> okay, just what what was going on with all of this? Okay. Well, you kind of got it half right. Uh, but I think... It's fair to say you didn't have much of a chance to get it from just from watching the film. Um, you don't say. <laughs> I, I think most of this film uh, you could say that about. But um, basically, um, so you've got the... You're in King's Cross. 
Um, you've got the bloody demon baby weird thing under the table. Um, that is thought to symbolise the part of Voldemort's soul. So as Matt said, that when Voldemort kind of does the killing curse on Harry, that is killing that part of, um, of Voldemort's soul. So actually that is dying. Um, and then Harry is still alive because it hasn't actually killed Harry. It's just killed... Well, that's convenient. Yes. Just happens to kill the bad bit in him, but he can come back. Which is, I think, also to do with the fact that, um, I can't remember if there's something to do with the blood they shared, I can't really remember, but we won't go down that path. Um, but it's got nothing to do with the Resurrection Stone. Uh, the Resurrection Stone is just so you can resurrect other people from the dead, and the reason that, um... Dumbledore leaves that as to Harry, so I guess he can have the people who were most important to him, who have all now died, uh, with him to the end. So it's gone. He doesn't come back because of the Resurrection Stone. So what the Resurrection Stone? Just so you see those ghosts at the end. Yes. So is that all the Resurrection Stone does? See, makes you so see ghosts. The the story between the the Resurrection Stone, Harry's invisibility cloak, and the the um the Elder Wand are the three. Mm. Um, the Deathly Hallows. Yeah. So they're like three things that people requested from death. One guy wanted to bring yeah. back his dead girlfriend. Mm-hmm. So that's what it The elder one it. seems quite a bit better than the other two. The invisibility cloak's pretty well, good, though, because you can make him invisible. The is meant to be the best. Yeah, that's pretty good. It's like, the only cloak of its Harry, cloak. that has been proved very helpful for Harry throughout the course of the series. He got the invisibility cloak in the first book, and it's got, like... He's been able to use that to get the best of Voldemort on numerous occasions. But it seems like Voldemort and, like, Snape could do it as well, could, like, do a spell and they disappear and pop up somewhere else. Like, that seems just as good as it... Because with the cloak, can you go through the cloak? Like, if you bump into something, are people going to hear that? Do you have to be quiet when you're in the cloak? Yes. That doesn't seem any better than this teleporting that everyone else can do. (laughs) But no, you can stay and listen to people. I don't like it. Does, well, it re- I think spells bounce off it. And, like, the whole idea is that you could hide from death uh, yeah. in the tale of the three brothers. Yeah, you could, like, go... And especially for a school student, quite uh, a dangerous thing, I think, Dumbledore to be giving to Harry in the first book. <laughs> <laughs> to go to the girls' change room or anything <laughs> with all these... <laughs> Uh, definitely from a teenager boy's perspective, probably the best of the three. The invisibility quite. But, <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so... Well, got, well, Harry Harry kept that, and he didn't seem to rate the wand. I didn't, I didn't understand yeah. that. <laughs> at, at the end of the film, it's proven that he's the true owner of the Elder Wand. Supposedly the most powerful wand in the world. What does he do? He snaps and throws it off the beach. First of all, if it's the most powerful wand in the world... Skinny Dan Radcliffe shouldn't be able to just snap it yeah. so easily. <laughs> it's not that good a one. Yeah. Throws it off the... I don't know how the magic works, but that... Yeah. I'm, I'm, I assume people could go get that. Like, I would feel if someone came across that, there could be trouble. Like, I feel yeah. like uh, if there was a golem-like character yeah. in the, Just the, some hill person yeah. that has access to scotch tape now has... And becomes the, becomes the next Voldemort. Like, it did seem like... He didn't even throw them off different sides of the bridge. <laughs> he threw them off exactly in the same that spot. That seemed hasty to me. Yeah. Different in the books. Thoughts. Different, yes. different yeah. in the books. That actually annoyed quite a few Harry Potter fans, I think, because... I'm not surprised. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, he uh, in the actual book, I think he puts it back in Dumbledore's tomb. 
Because the idea is that no one else really knows, that, except for Ron and Hermione, that that is actually the Elder Wand. And he also fixes his own wand. And the wand shop guy. Oliver The guy who Olivan. told... The guy who told Voldemort. Oh, yes. Well, he doesn't know... It's actually... Because at this point... I don't know. It's confusing where the actual wand is because Malfoy has it. So Harry has the power of the Elder Wand. But Voldemort... I don't know. Okay, okay. So confusing, but... But, but yeah. Basically, it he hides it back, I think. And... Um, yeah, so Harry often has to... He keeps having to make a choice between being the master of death and defeating... And, um, like, going down that path or chasing the Horcruxes. It seems like Harry... Um, I, I can understand his wanting to destroy the wand, saying there's too much power for anyone wizard to have. That I understand that. But it seems like he does a worse job of destroying and sort of hiding this wand than Voldemort did of hiding the Horcruxes, <laughs> which proved pretty easy since Harry only started looking for them at the very end of the Harry Potter series. So I, I could definitely see why there's some frustration over that. You mentioned Malfoy. I wanted to ask a bit yeah. about it. Like, so he's the blonde kid, right? Yeah. His story seemed a little unresolved. Like, he's is he talked about more... In the pre, because he didn't really do anything except like he's supposed to be a bad guy, and then Harry rescues him. But then in the end, he still goes over to his like equally creepily blonde parents. <laughs> yeah, and then they like, just all he, run away. At is the he? End. Yeah, they just run away. Like, what's his story? Like, is he supposed to be a good guy or a bad guy? Like, to me, it seems like whether you're a good guy or a bad guy is determined for you by your haircut. Yeah. Like, you see that guy, and you go, this is a bad guy. I'm not going to like this guy. <laughs> Snape. You look at Snape. Snape, yeah. And Crazy you go, man, cool. yeah, yeah, you might have turned or whatever, or you did it, you were brave, but I'd believe it more if you had a crew cut. Yeah. In in the first couple of books, Malfoy's like the bully at school that gives Harry a really hard time, and he's definitely not a nice guy. Then later on in the series, he... Be- he sort of you start seeing him being included in Voldemort's secret meetings, and sort of he seems to be quite high up in the uh, Voldemort chain of command. Like Voldemort, even in the last movie, goes, "Hey, Malfoy, I'll use your wand now," or something. And then this no, Jess is shaking her head. Uh, I've completely missed the mark. What have I just said? That's not he takes true. His dad's wand. Oh, that was his dad's and, wand. Okay. Well. But the big thing was that in book six, um, Malfoy, Junior Malfoy, was meant to be the one that kills Dumbledore. Yes. But he can't do it. He yeah. He can't stomach it. So okay, he, so he gives... Mal, Voldemort gives Malfoy a very large responsibility. So all of a sudden he goes from school bully to, like, someone who's very key in Voldemort's world domination plan. And then the last movie, he sort of goes back to just being the bully, really. Just sort of... Trying to zap Harry and when, lighting fires and stuff. When Malfoy can't kill Dumbledore, is that supposed to be, like, redemption for him? Or is he still just a bad guy, but he just has a weak stomach? I think it's that he's bad to a point, but he can't quite follow through. Um, I think, yeah, obviously something stops him. Hmm. That's weak. I like a bad guy that's, like, properly bad. Yeah, because yeah, not still, just a bad guy, but can't really commit to it. I think yeah. he's just a coward because he still kind of goes back to the Death Eaters. Like he doesn't completely stop that. He just couldn't quite follow through. Yeah, he's seems, a kid. Seems like he likes backing a winner, like Malfoy. <laughs> like seems like he he feels like in the in the first sort of like most of the movies he's like, oh man, Voldemort's coming back. He's he's got this. I'm definitely going to be a part of this. And then as soon as it looks like 
Voldemort's lost. He's sort of back with the school kids. Then as soon as Voldemort, hey, I'm back with Harry. Harry's dead. He's like, oh, yeah, back on your side. It's like, yeah, good job. And, you can imagine yeah. he supported Man United last season, Chelsea the season before. Yeah, yeah. And then we've got... The, and then I think at the end, when he just ran away, it's sort of like, I don't... Like, I don't even, like, want to guess now. I'm just I'm just not getting involved in the drama. So the series has ended. The very last scene in the movie is Harry and Ron's sister taking their kids to Hogwarts and Hermione and Ron taking their kids to Hogwarts. And then we're meeting up. Looks like those guys hadn't aged at all. This was 19 years later. Look, maybe they were one or two years older. Yeah, Harry's it just seemed to have a bit more stubble. Yeah. His stubble seemed to change a bit throughout the film. Like, what yeah. I was interested in, he had, like, a little bit. Mm. And then when he dies, in inverted commas, like, he's clean-shaven. And then he comes back, like... Well, there was a bit of time in King's Cross Station slash heaven that we didn't see. Yeah, on the way on the way to heaven, he's had time to shower, change clothes, yes. change his hair, and shave. Whoa. In that scene. Well, we know Daniel Radcliffe will do a nude scene, so why didn't they? Why didn't they? Exactly. Maybe he'll only do a nude scene if there's a horse around, <laughs> or Emma Watson. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so he none of them seem to age at all. Maybe Ron at least. And so he's back to a bit of stubble at the end. Yeah. Uh, maybe he'll change the hair a bit. Yeah, Ron, Ron looks maybe he'd put on a bit of weight. Hermione looked the same. They gave Hermione some, like, earrings that a younger person wouldn't wear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just seemed very amateur for a film that I would imagine would have a huge budget. Yeah, considering the amount of special effects they've done on Voldemort, they yeah. probably could have Benjamin buttoned Harry yeah. and the crew. And it's the very final scene of the movie. I don't get why you wouldn't want it that to And be 19 perfect. years is significant. Yeah, that's a long time. How old you, are they? Is that double in age? They have had a lot of plastic surgery in those 19 years. <laughs> <But> <laughs> if, if, that is, if any of these actors are looking like this in 19 years, uh, I'd be magic? very surprised. Mag- they, there could be magic. Yeah. Could be. When we do our podcast Maybe that's in why 19, I'd send my kids yeah. to Hogwarts. They wouldn't have to pay for plastic surgery. Yeah. <laughs> just magic it. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but were, were we satisfied with the ending of Harry Potter? I was not. I felt let down. I felt like I had invested so much <laughs> in the Harry Potter series. I'd paid $15.50 for my ticket. Yep. I'd sat there for 130 minutes mm-hmm. and was just left stranded, unsatisfied. Okay, Jess, were you satisfied with the end of Harry Potter? Uh, I was satisfied as I could be, because I'm not a massive fan of the films, but I thought they did pretty well. I thought Dan Radcliffe acted well, which he usually doesn't, so... <laughs> Where would you rank this, the eighth film, compared to the the other films? Um, I'd almost put it at the top, I think. Um, it wasn't what I expected. I think the battle was a bit strange, but yeah. Um, probably the top, maybe your second top. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen all the movies uh, I, I missed three and four But of the movies I've seen I actually thought this was the best movie that I had seen uh, So from a film perspective I guess I was satisfied uh, I think we've discussed a few of the things I was unsatisfied with About sort of some of the plot things at the end But I generally think it was, was a good ending I liked, the, I liked the device of the Horcruxes I thought that was a good way to end the series Sort of having to go around and uh, destroy these things in different places And 
then I thought, you know, it was quite fitting battle with him and Voldemort at the end. And I actually quite liked how Neville Longbottom was the one who killed the last Horcrux. I've never heard of Neville Longbottom. I didn't. Yeah, that, that's why. Well, I as a fan of the series, it was just like I, Ron Bader. Like, oh, yeah. here's another lovable nerd yeah. who comes yeah. through in the end. Yeah, in the in the first book, he is like the worst at like all the spells, and he's sort of like very much the comic relief of the series, um, more so than Ron. And I quite like that he was the one who killed uh, killed Voldemort at the end because like it was too predictable for Harry to be the one to kill Voldemort. I'm feeling like too much of the film was comic relief. There were a lot of comic lines considering the severity of the situation, like. I've always wanted to do that trick and stuff. I thought Green Gots was unnecessarily comedic. Like, they made it funny when it wasn't meant to be. In the vault. With yeah, the with the dragon Because they're stuff. meant to be being burnt alive, basically, and they made it funny, which I didn't yeah. like. Yeah. But I was generally satisfied with the ending. I thought, I thought it was quite good. Um, do, you, do you, Jess, as a Harry Potter fan, think that Harry Potter, uh, and you can answer books or movies, has gotten better over the years or worse? Uh, I would say both have gotten better. I think, I think the books really evolved and got a bit more dark and complex as they went. And the films, pretty terrible in the beginning, but by the last one at least, uh, there was some good acting in there. Um, Jonathan, you obviously can't comment on that. You've only seen the last movie. I think uh, it got worse as the movie went on. Okay, okay. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, I, definitely the movies were better, got better, um, I, I I saw the first two movies and I didn't want to see the third and fourth movie because I didn't think the first two were very good at all. Um, but I've, I've watched the last couple and I think they've all been all right. Maybe not the fifth. The fifth just seemed like a lot of montages after, you know, like, oh, let's start up a wizard club and then just the next ten minutes was just them practicing spells. And, but but I thought the, the last two were quite good and, and the sixth one as well. Uh, yeah, I so, yeah. so I, I think the last three were good. Uh, with the books, I actually uh, stopped reading halfway through the fifth. And that's because I felt the fifth, it was getting worse. I <laughs> I thought that the first, uh, first uh, three books were great, and I thought the fourth book was the best. Yes. Uh, but I think it was really hurt with very long periods between the release dates of the book. So by the time the fifth book had come out, I'd sort of started to lose interest. I'd started to read Lord of the Rings. And I was sort of like, then half, you know, I sort of got halfway through the fifth book and I'm going, oh, it's so much longer and it's no better. It's sort of a bit worse than the last book. And yeah. I have a question about the books. Yeah. They seem to get longer yeah. as they've gone on. By around the fourth book, they're getting like seven, eight hundred pages. It seems pretty long for a kid's book. Yeah. Are they actually getting longer? Because I've picked up a copy of Twilight. And they're supposed to be like 500 pages. But I swear that's in size 24, double-spaced, with the biggest margins I've ever seen. It seems like books are being made to have more pages in order to make kids or teens feel like they're smarter than they are for reading longer books. Is that the case with Harry Potter? Well, you work in a library, Jess, so you're the expert on this. Um, what did you say the word counts? Well, in uh, terms look, of word count, Harry actually po- increased. Harry Potter... Harry Potter has always had generous margins and font <laughs> sizes. Um, I think they, I think kids find it more enjoyable to read if it is yeah. bigger print. Yes, and yeah, it, oh, it yeah. probably does give them a bit of a big ego to be like, I read this book in two days. 
Yeah. When it's massive. But the, they've always, they've been a consistent font size. So when the books have been getting bigger, they, get they have been getting more words. Because I, I, they didn't increase the font size for book five. So the first book was probably only about two chapters long. <laughs> and by the fourth or fifth, they have a proper book. Yeah, maybe. The, the, I, I think something that the series lost over time... Um, and maybe I'm not the best person to be commenting this since I don't read all the books, but <laughs> it lost its um, innocence to a degree. I feel like the first couple of books I really enjoyed, um, not just the drama and battles with Voldemort and stuff. I actually enjoyed the classes and the dynamics of various teachers and how they interact with students and I could sort of, uh, when I was reading it in high school, sort of like compare it to the high school I was going to and it was much more relatable and the sort of more drama, dark stuff was more in the background. Now, of course, I always knew that that would, as the series progressed, become more into the foreground, but it seems that by the end they'd completely abandoned that sort of stuff. And I, I think maybe there could have been a way that at least up until the you know, the last half of the last book maybe have kept a bit of that. Yeah, I mean, I'd certainly agree. I think the reasons I loved it was the sense of escapism, and I think you really have that, even though there's dark things going on up until the end of book four, but once Voldemort comes back, it certainly changes the tone, and it becomes less of that. But I think it depends why you're reading the books, but I think if you're invested in the characters, you wanted to know what happened, and I think it's probably more like real life. Mm. Um, so I think originally if you read it because of the magical element, you might get disappointed towards the end. Okay, yeah. I think and that's a trend in films a lot these days. Like, people are auto- were automatically claiming that Dark Knight was the best Batman film because it was darker and more serious and less yeah. campy than the original ones. Yeah. But I think terms like darker or um, innocent don't necessarily have inherent intrinsic uh, positive or negative qualities. Yes. For me, it's just a, it's a change in tone or style, yes. not execution. Yes, I, I agree with that, but I say I, I with Harry Potter, I quite liked the innocence, and that was completely gone by the end, uh, and I didn't think that was a good move, a, a completely successful move. Um, I'm not saying that in all cases that tone is bad. I'm just saying for Harry Potter, they got rid of something that I thought was working. I was just say, I feel like it kind of worked if you were the generation that grew up with Harry. So mm. uh, if I think it was good in a way that you had to wait between the books because you were kind of growing with him. So reading back now, the, the first book seems quite simple, but, but like so... As I got older, the, the books got more complex and darker, so I was able to keep reading them. I feel like if they hadn't have gotten that way, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed them as much because they were too simple for me. Yeah, I, I was also someone who was the generation of Harry Potter, though. Yes, I know, but so, I'm just giving yeah. a different... Yes. Yes, okay. That's <laughs> fair enough. So, uh, Harry Potter's become a huge phenomenon worldwide. Um, there's no one listening to this podcast now that hasn't at least heard of Harry Potter, um, it's massive. We could get box office totals and book selling figures up, but it seems a bit redundant. Um, and effort. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> why was Harry Potter so big? Um, I don't I think it taps into that um, that childlike want for some sort of escapism. Everyone and one wanted to get that letter from Hogwarts and get to go to this magical place 
where really cool things happened. Um, and I think it just kind of exploded from there um, and just became huge. But I think at the end of the day, Harry Potter is a good story. Do you think Harry Potter will last? Do you think in 50 years' time this will be sort of the new Lord of the Rings? As well as sending your hypothetical kids to Hogwarts, would you send? Would you give your actual kids the Harry Potter books to read? Maybe. I might give them the first one. Like, look, I, I think it won't disappear, Harry Potter. I don't think it's going anywhere. I think it will be sort of part of... Um, I think it will have a shelf life that's quite impressive. It's going to be a long time before it's surpassed in terms of what yeah. it's done. Yeah. But I don't see it being the next Lord of the Rings. I don't know if Harry Potter's quite got the quality of writing that Lord of the Rings does. I might give him a copy. I'll say, <laughs> I've, I've heard good things. <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when I was young, the other kids seemed to like this <laughs> stuff. <laughs> um, so do we have any final thoughts on the Harry Potter franchise, guys? I think having seen the previous films may have helped. Yeah. I think having read the books may have helped... Even more. Even more. As an isolated film review, I'd have to give this one wizard and a mudblood. <laughs> Does that work? Yeah, yes. a wizard and a mudblood. Out of five. Out of five. So pretty wizards. low. So you didn't really... Okay, yeah. I, th- I thought it was an alright film. I'd give it maybe two wizards and a mudblood. Um, <laughs> <laughs> about, about 50%. Like, that's, you know, a pass. Um, and, and probably the best of the Harry Potter series that I've seen, um, as a book series, I, I, you know, a lot of people think that I like making fun of Harry Potter and I'm not a Harry Potter fan. I'm looking at you, Jess, and all your friends, but I actually am a Harry Potter fan. I was really into it as a kid. I was, I was a huge, I was a fanatic. Um, at one point, and I still have a soft spot in my heart for Harry Potter. I still would call myself a fan of the series. So... Um, There's a bit of Voldemort in you. (laughs) (laughs) Harry had a bit of Voldemort in him. I've got a bit of Harry in me. Um, (laughs) What? That sounds so bad. (laughs) I'd love a bit of Harry in me. (laughs) Fail. (laughs) This is sounding like uh, we've got a pretty good podcast done, guys. (laughs) So there's the podcast. Remember, you can always subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, Screen Verdict on iTunes, which is very exciting. I've subscribed. I don't regret it. I've subscribed too. Um, Have you subscribed, Jess? I downloaded the episodes. Okay. You'll be subscribing now. Yep. Um, And, yeah, stay tuned for our next podcast. Uh, Do you know what it's going to be on, Jonathan? No. No? No idea. It'll be a surprise. So uh, stay tuned.